hello everyone welcome to another week of the intellectually another episode actually not another week we recorded a few times this week <laughs> um another episode of the intellectually ignorant podcast so um yeah to today um i'm joined by obviously this is this is hassan i'm joined by wheeler hello hello yeah so um wheeler tell us about yourself oh lord okay um i'm another work student um study languages specifically hispanic studies and yeah, I'm excited to be here. Okay, and we have a very special guest today. Um, I don't even know how to do the introduction properly. So like, um, so I know her as Nere. We all know her as verse writer. Um, <laughs> let me let me see if I can find a good breakdown of everything. So so she's so she's a poetry artist. Would that was that is that what you call yourself? Yeah. Spoken word artist. I mean, same thing, different. Yeah, I think I think almost the same. Almost the same yeah. thing. We'll talk about the difference in a yeah. second. <laughs> um, yeah, like Lunaria has done a lot. Um, she she um she published an anthology on poetry in yeah. 2017. Yeah. Something I didn't know. I discovered that in my research. Oh. <laughs> that's yeah, a, research. yeah, 2017. That's the year we started uni. Yeah, just before a few months before university, my mom gave me an ultimatum. Wow. I had to. An ultimatum? Yeah. And she was what? like, if I don't publish a book, I'm not going to come to the UK. Wow. Oh. She was racist. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. So uh, yeah, you so she's yes. had a, so she's had a lot of um, a lot of shows at uni. So like ever since we started uni, you're the one person that you've. She's always had like a work rate. Like every single term, every single year, you hear some different different poet um spoken word show, mm-hmm. Afrofest. Mm-hmm. She did the, um the spoken word on Afrofest oh, and so yeah. much more. Um, you've been named one of the thirty com- uh, thirty artists commissioned by the Coventry City of Culture. Yeah. For your play, um, an evening with verse writer. Like, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot. I can't really go for everything, but we'll touch on everything for the episode. But yeah, um, so yeah, we have a. Re- um, we're really happy to have her on. So we have Lanera here, aka the vice verse writer. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited as well. So um, what made you pick that name? Verse writer. Wow. Um, I think okay. So what happened was when I was about fourteen, I remember I was in my room and I was trying to sort of. Um, I guess we knew it as rebranding, but then it was just really renaming. Um, I was trying to sort of rename myself in terms of my Twitter. Um, yeah, I was trying to just rename myself in terms of my Twitter because I just got tired of... What, what happened actually was people. a lot of people were having like names on Twitter. Like, yeah. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't know if you're on Twitter for a while, but it was things like... <laughs> they would name themselves as characters from shows or yeah. they would use things like ads, for instance, like maybe... Rory 101 or like a lot of numbers yeah. it was very we going through our Tumblr post Tumblr <laughs> yeah. so um, you know I just said okay what do I name myself and I remember I can never forget I was in my, my bedroom got my notebook out and I was like okay so I know that I'm a poet and I know that I want people to know me as that so I said okay maybe I should think of a name for that and I'll google what poet means and like just I knew what it meant, but just more like the origins. And, yeah, in-depth and, analysis. Exactly, yeah. and then I saw okay, I mean, I'm a woman, so like female poet, and then I said okay, poetess, and I was like, I'm not saying <laughs> that, like it just it sounds a bit ras. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, and then okay, I was just like, okay, let me just think this think this through, and I said okay, what is a poem made up of? And I was like, okay, it's made up of verses, right? Yeah. And then I was like, but I'm a writer, then verse writer, and I remember I called my friend and I was like, his name was Ovi, and I was like, Ovi. Um, this is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know what's funny? Yeah? Imagine, I'll be asking contacts right you now. Know what the people, the people <laughs> are closing this, they're closing this episode, they're running to your Twitter <laughs> right now to find out what you're going to shoot. My close friend's cousin is Ovi. Oh, so... Hey, how do you, is Ovi, Ovi, how do you pronounce that guy's name? Ovi, right? Ovi, right? Ovi, yeah. I mean, we wouldn't know, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah. close friend's cousin is actually Ovi. Um, 
Okay, so we're still gonna contact him. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, if you if you need Ovi's details, his whereabouts, contact Lenere. But um, yeah, I called my friend Ovi and I was like, Ovi, like, what do you think of this name? And he was like, This name actually bangs. Like, it sounds so good. And I was like, Not. I genuinely wasn't feeling it at first. I was like, It feels weird. And you know, I realized years later that in some sense that was my naming ceremony. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of us have to go through that process of renaming ourselves, whether it's giving ourselves an actual name or reminding ourselves of our identity. And I think yeah. for me in that moment, that naming ceremony was reminding myself that I wanted to continue writing poetry. Yeah. Um, it so kind of gave was, you your identity in that yeah, sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm more than just a poet, but that was one of many things that I think I identify with now. So that was how yeah. that's right. And it's so me. funny, when it comes to ideas, <laughs> yeah. they always come to you in that simplistic way. Like when you think about it in hindsight, you think, okay, verse writer. Yeah. Like, it, it, it seems like it would be easy to come to that conclusion, like, kind of thing. But it's not. Like, when, you, like when you're when you in a position that you have to come up with the name yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, even um, with this, with, with the at name for the podcast, we changed it a few times. Because mm-hmm. it's like having that perfect thing. It's simple at the end of it, but in the beginning, it's so hard to come up with. So, Definitely. it's crazy though, like, because... Sorry, go on. No, go on. <laughs> you know how you said um that... <laughs> the name sort of didn't feel exactly right to you yeah. when you come up with it. Was it something that you had to grow into? Like, throughout the years, you felt like you became the embodiment of your mm, name? That's the good, yeah. was it quite instantaneously? I definitely think it wasn't instantaneous because I remember what happened was, after I started calling myself Verse Writer, so yeah. I had a, I was blogging a lot through WordPress. Okay. And then my WordPress was always lanarinadiramid.wordpress.com. Yeah. And that was sort of how I started to grow my platform through WordPress. And then in school, because I was in boarding house in Lagos, I remember a lot of my friends, when when I changed to Verse Writer, they actually started calling me Verse Winter. Verse Winter? Verse oh, winter. wait. Was, <laughs> that, very, was that a like? It was a joke. Oh. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, so one, there was one girl in, in my school, and she just was a, just a joker. You yeah. Know? And she was like, Verse Winter. And it just stuck. And then it just stuck. <laughs> and then when people realized that it was Verse Writer she meant, yeah. they started calling me Verse Writer again. Okay. But I was in secondary school, I mean, my last, the last two years or so, I was going to look for this first winter. First winter. And that was just banter. But <laughs> I think that was sort of when, it, I don't know why, but it was, it's like it took a joke for it to sound right. Because yeah. like, when you now start having to correct people, no, it's not verse winter, it's verse writer. Then it sort of mm. then become, became a thing of, yeah, yeah that's my because name. Because an affirmation. Yeah. Exactly. Like confirmation of the name. So yeah. I, I just even forgot about that. That's actually yeah. crazy. It becomes yeah. annoying when you think about it. But mm. the fact is, I, I, people probably started calling you verse winter for so long that the yeah. transition to verse writer was much easier easier exactly. because they weren't really calling you um Lenari at that time mm. so it's it's it's, it's 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 funny how that how that comes about but um for um how do how do you separate your your name Lenari from like verse writer like what the what like what kind of separates those two like for you um i think you know it's, it's interesting that you say that because i think for as of now i'm trying to get them back together because i think one thing i noticed <coughs> was um before so before secondary school sorry before university very few people knew me as verse writer. So yeah. although in secondary school I mentioned that people said verse writer, it was more a thing of very close friends yeah. who were just you know making fun of my my name. Mm. Um, and yeah, so when I came to university, that was actually when verse writer really took off. Because yeah. what happened was, um, whenever I'd, I'd introduced myself um, in spoken word, like open mics, etc., I would say, okay, my name is Lanier. I'm also called verse writer. 
Mm. And then I think it's, I really think it stopped because people couldn't pronounce my, my first name, Lenere. Yeah, and, and I used to say Lenere yeah, for the longest time. Because <laughs> that's, um, that's something I was even going to say earlier. Because um, every episode when someone comes on, I always say how I know them. Okay. But for you, I don't know a specific moment. We've been in the yeah, same course forever. Exactly. So I remember in the history of the surgical field. Yeah, with Valley. Because I used to carry one big folder. on a business trip. Yeah, I remember that. No, but yeah, it's funny with Valley. Like, yeah. um, yeah, he's coming on soon, actually. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, it's funny because um, I was just remembering, I used to call you um, Lanier for the longest. Mm. I think I found out, like, last year or something that your name Damn. was Lanier, right? <laughs> no, I'm just... No, first, for me to remember names is just bad, but, like, it's mm. just a pronunciation. Because it's just... I just took it for what it spelled like, but, yeah, like, it's... um, I, I can see that, too. And Verse Writer is a really good name. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a lovely name, but I think I would never want people to forget Lanier. No, no, Just no, no. because, yeah. first of all, like, I, I'm so certain that... Excuse me. That um, the likelihood of that name appearing in the next hundred years is so low. Not because it's not possible, because my mom claims that, and I believe her, that God gave her that name. Yeah. And when you translate it, because it means God has created a path of success. Yeah. It's not a a like a Yoruba, a Germanic phrase. Okay. So it's not it's not a thing where obviously you can say things like. So, for instance, a lot of people maybe like call like I have a friend called Ayo. Yeah. I don't actually know what Ayo means. Okay, let me say like Ola. Ola means wealth. Yeah. Right? So if I say something like Ola or Lua, that's God has given me wealth. Yeah. But that name, God, sorry, that phrase God has given me wealth can be something that you can just say as a proverb, right? It can yeah. be an everyday conversation. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I pray God gives me money. I pray God gives me blessing. Yeah. But you don't say an everyday conversation, God has created a path of success, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I know that it's a name that, um, for me, it's not just the fact that it's my name, but because, um, first, it's a blessing, but secondly, it's such a unique name that I don't yeah. want to lose it, which is and why it kind of highlights that in you. Exactly, yeah. which is why I've been a bit more intentional about saying, you know, before I say verse right, I would say, okay, my name is also Lanoyeri, yeah. just so that I don't lose that side of me. Yeah. Um, I know that as of last year, what I was doing was because you, your question was about differentiating. So what I would say is, for more official documents and also when I, because I also write plays, okay. I would put my name Lanoyeri Deremi. <coughs> so for my for my plays. For anything written was Lanera Derrick. Makes sense. Yeah. Anything oral was yeah. verse writer. So that okay. was so hard. Anything to be published, essentially. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that's 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 it. Yeah. And that goes back to the thing about embodying it. So, mm-hmm. so because you've had the name for so long, yeah. What well, it's gonna be ten years and a few years mm-hmm. that it's it becomes a thing where you grow so into it mm-hmm. that it's synonymous with who you are and who you are as Lanera. Exactly. The verse writer is a is a part of you kind of thing. Definitely. And I think so. for me the reason I like the name is also again you mentioned earlier about hindsight. And I think in hindsight, I didn't even realize how amazing that creating the name was, not just because of what it means as, as in verse writer, but because I have done other things that are verse related beyond poetry. Because yeah. a verse can be in a song, yeah. a verse can be in a Bible verse, mm. a verse can be in a hymn. So the word verse itself transcends poetry. And I'm so glad, obviously, I didn't know what I was doing when I was <laughs> yeah. doing it, but I'm so glad I did that because it means that my dance isn't just linked to poetry because I can wake up one morning and say, I mean, I can't sing, but I can. I do some songwriting. You did sing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> no, oh, but um, no, that that makes me so cringe. No. Oh, come on. But you know how like. Wrong with it at all. But you know how like I was watching a interview about the Bad Boys for Life thing, and it was with Will Smith, and he was talking with Martin Lawrence, okay. and they were, and he was, you know how like Martin Lawrence over the past few years, he he had that sort of breakdown, but like it was due to like him having some issues with identity, and Will Smith said oh. that his name Will Smith was a thing that 
it almost empowered him. It was the name was in front of him because it sort of protected him. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that sort of way with like verse writer from like the, the like the first time you you came up with that name? As in, this is what's meant to sort of protect you until you're ready to kind of step fully into that. Oh, I into see. That so position. do you mean in terms of things like? Like fame, is that what you mean? Yeah, not fame, but more like just like the fear, anxiety of having to oh. perform. Because, you know, oh, as soon as you became a creative, yeah. every time you're around people, like earlier before we started this episode, I asked you if you'd like to do one of your pieces. Yeah. And I, 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 I would, it would be okay if you didn't because I shouldn't expect that you're always going to be mm-hmm. in the mode. And it's that thing of he used that as like almost like a screen for his personality mm-hmm. because he knew that he was expected to always be in that place exactly. when he couldn't always it's be in that place. It's the embodiment of the expectation. Oh. Does yeah. that pressure you? I mean, Does it empower you? That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think in some sense. But I think what empowers me actually is um, I do a lot of call and response in my pieces. So okay. mm-hmm. I get people to say verse writer as a res- in response to me saying my name is Lameria Deremi yeah. and I'm also known as an audience reply verse writer okay. so I would Ooh. say that yeah towards Ooh. the end that's, but <laughs> no, she's that good at crowd control man like, as I've seen your shows before like it's amazing like, like. thank you but that only happens in the end of the piece so by then I guess I can I've given what I can give yeah. so mm-hmm. I would say it's, it is it's affirming because I think hearing people say my my name really does rem- it reminds me of um, the fact that this is beyond me, this craft is beyond me. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it's protected me in a sense. If, yeah. if anything, Lanuri has protected me more because of the meaning. Yeah. Um, but I think it definitely has like hyped me up. Because, yeah. Like, I know that. I mean, just hearing people say my name, like it makes me more encouraged. It makes mm-hmm. me feel valued, and I think that that's why a lot of people like. I read recently in this like article that when you say people's names before you say what they should do mm-hmm. or like even just com- conversing with them mm-hmm. they feel more affirmed yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like that's probably where it was for me so not yeah. not so much a protective thing but um, a source of affirmation yeah definitely sort of an enhancement even exactly yeah exactly. when you say <laughs> the craft is beyond you what do you mean I think I've always seen my art as service okay mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. even though I'm like I'm the I'm the vessel right yeah but the message is beyond me. So mm-hmm. I, I am just one person that is carrying this message, right? Yeah. But just by virtue of the gift God has given me and the fact that I've, I've worked on this, on developing this gift. But at the end of the day, the recipients of, of this is not me. It would be more so the audience, right? Mm-hmm. And I think having that um, thought process of it beyond me makes me more selfless. So even though... I you know in the future I know that for certain I'm going to get more known. But reminding myself that as much as the fame can come, the money, success can come. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not it's not just for me. It's it's the fact that I'm telling stories that are on the margin and I'm allowing people to to hear about these stories that haven't really been amplified enough. So. And anyone that listens to your work can definitely tell. Ex- exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's something I was even going to um, touch on. Like, what do, what, do, what do you want to inspire with your work? Because your work, I, I can tell that it, like from what I've heard and just what I've witnessed in Afrofest and stuff, mm-hmm. is rooted in um, just black empowerment, um, feminism, yeah. black feminism, I'll say specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's just so many different social issues that you're trying to, you're trying to sort of, um, it's in a descriptive sense, but also in a, in a empowering sense of trying to kind of change the narrative in the in the same way as you're describing what's happening. Yeah. So for me, it's um. So I was just asking, like, what what's your what are you trying to um inspire with your work? Mm, that's a good question. I think firstly, it's um. You can couple that with what inspired you initially too. Yeah, I think I'll start with the first one. I think in terms of like what what I want, what I try to achieve at least, it's 
putting stories from Margin to the center. And these stories might be stories centered on, you know, women's issues, Nigerian women's issues. Yeah. But it can also be something in quote, like when I say in inverted commas, something that's mundane. Like yeah. I've written poems about childhood before and I think those poems should still be as good as poems on black, you know, um, black emancipation or whatever because, the, again, the vessel is still me, right? Yeah. Those are things in common. So I think for me, it's it's just letting people know that any story, whether it's you walking to go and get ice cream and you write home about yeah. it, like that story can be of, of joy and contentment and fulfillment yeah. from getting ice cream. In the same way, if I talk about a Nigerian feminist protest, that also can be of joy, right? Yeah. So um, I think for me, it's it's just allowing people to 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 give themselves permission to pull stories like I have from from, from yeah, but more importantly from the margin. So yeah. I think of stories in the margin as stories that are un- underrepresented. So voices yeah. that are not heard, you know. Stories that they don't teach in schools. Yeah. More importantly, I guess, yeah. because black um, histories often fall in that category, yeah. that seems to be what um, I tend to pull. But it's okay. also stories of black people, i.e. myself, who, uh, stories that are, in quote, are seen as like mundane. I put that in yeah. quote because I don't think anything is too little to tell. Yeah. So, you know, there, Shakespeare literally has stories on, um, for instance, with Hamlet. Like, the guy is literally not sure whether he's mad or he's playing like he's mad and he's yeah. like yeah. he has this thing with his sis, his mother and like he kills and even Macbeth he had yeah, the same feeling right yeah. and I think on one hand you can say those things are deep but I can look at it and say those things are trivial like it's, it's yeah. no big deal right so yeah. I actually will tell my story about my ice cream and the joy it gives me yeah. So well, again, for yeah. me, like those are the stories that specifically gravitate towards in anything. Mm. When it comes to music, when it comes to um, even podcasts that I listen to, the yeah. books I read, like the audio books I listen to, it's, it's, it's usually rooted in someone's experience of themselves mm. and just life itself. Because yeah. these are the stories that you generally don't see. Like everything else, all these big concepts, mm. as, as great as they are and as important as they are for someone to do, these are the things that... Any, it's available to anyone to kind of touch on mm. but your personal experience is what kind of separates you from everyone else Definitely. so as mundane as it is for me that's specifically what gravitates me to sure. anything yeah. and I think there's so many angles to even how you tell a personal experience so for instance yeah. I think a lot of people whenever they ask me about my favourite poems I think they always expect me to talk about Ebony for instance yeah. which is about um, it's a true story on um, just me trying to explain to somebody that I am more than um a lot of the stereotypes they associated with me but whenever I now say that actually no that's not my favorite poem my favorite poem is actually a poem about childhood it's a poem yeah. about me dancing to Mary Mary um, sorry dance to shackles by Mary Mary okay. mm. and the poem literally talks about how I'm jumping from a pillow to another pillow and there's rice on the red table and I'm dancing to Barney with my sister yeah. and it, for some people it's like Oh wow! Like they're so sure. Why did that inspire <laughs> poem? I love, I, love, I, I, love yeah. to, I love you to dive in on that one. I like, mm. just unpack that. What, how, how did that inspire the poem? Okay. And like, how how does like the poem parallel to the actual story? Like, mm, I mean, okay. So when I was in secondary school, I used to write things um, almost instantaneously. So anything, any. In fact, I always had a journal in my blazer pocket in mm. university. Anytime a thought would come, I would not waste time. I would always bring the journal you know, out of my blazer and write it down. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, I think for that poem, I was just reflecting on childhood experiences. And I remembered that, okay, um, my parents had like a stack of CDs on top of white walls. And they were very, they loved gospel music. So 
um, my sister and I would often get the CDs from the, you know, stack of CDs and then play. But we also loved Barney. And I remember Barney the Purple Dinosaur was very recurrent in my own childhood. <laughs> I, I can't lie to you. It's like every African has that same story. Yeah. Barney the Twinies. Twinies the Twinies. The cassettes. If you were like, yes. when you were really, really young, when they used to have the cassette of the yeah. Twinies, that's like, like my uncle I used thought to I had a fizz doll. Like, I actually thought I was fizz. And I think for me, like, it was just super... I think nostalgia is something that yeah. really features a lot in all of my poetry. And I think for me, it was important to capture that. So in terms of the story, it was really just a story of childhood, right? Yeah. And I guess the poem just sought to explore the, not just childhood, but the intricacies of childhood. Mm. So, you know, a lot of people forget the details, the small things. Yeah. Sometimes those small things, i.e. in my case jumping from a pillow to another represents yeah. and remembering joy. how that made you feel exactly and the thought process that um made you do that mm-hmm. like because that that's 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 what because in the podcast like i like to tell stories all the time yeah. and it's like these are the things i remember from my childhood i kind of hold on to the little moments and the feeling that i felt in the moment of thinking about it exactly. and i feel like you can kind of get that from a lot of your poetry even when it's a, an abstract thing or um a bigger issue mm-hmm. than yourself it's almost like you can see there's a, there's a personal feel to it where it's almost like you're attaching your own experiences to it. And it's not almost, it is what you're doing, mm-hmm. but you you really gain that, you get you get that feeling from it. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, um, Zane, Zane is jo- joining us right now. He's, he's running a bit late. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, so I wanted to ask you, um, what does spoken word mean to you? Um, a spoken word, I think, I mean, not to sound cliche, but literally word that is spoken. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think it's, and that's why I said earlier that I think, um, you know, poetry and spoken word are slightly different. In, but I, I don't even know if I can articulate the difference. I think, for me, it's literally just text that is read aloud, spoken word. Um, yeah. I know it's slightly more theatrical because it can be, you know, dramatized through, like, um, gestures or grand actions. But yeah. sometimes it can be quiet, you know. So I would just say it's it's word in the form of text that is... Um, that express in it, the oral oral form. So. Okay. Mm. But when it comes to explanation, you wouldn't say it has any literary structure or no, nothing. It's I just don't, free yeah, it's exactly. I think I mean spoken word is definitely more like direct in yeah. in a sense because it's often used in like slams. So like you know spoken word slams. Are like the beat poets of um, ex- the exactly. forties. Yeah, I can never. It's, yeah. it's too much for me. But um, yeah, I think too intense. No, I literally no. went. I went to Islam once in Levinson, and I actually took part in it. And yeah. I never felt so awkward in my life. Why? Why? Because it was so intense. Like people were like, "Oh, the and I was just there like, "Oh my god, like I can't do this." <laughs> I felt like I had to be so grand, and yeah. it just yeah. made me feel so scared. Yeah. But um. I don't but know sometimes how the I... simplicity, yeah. like it's, it's, it goes over the grandness. Because even with your performances, I, um, I was gonna um, ask you about um, even your performances. How you, how you almost it's like usually when you see a spoken word poet, and we have a few at uni. Mm. Um, everyone's great, by the way. But um, it's like they, everyone will stand there and they'll they'll give they'll they'll give to the audience. Yeah. It, for you, it's almost like you give to the audience, but you interact with the audience. Yeah. So sometimes you have moments where, like you said, with a verse writer thing, and you've done it in different ways during Afrofest when you say, oh, yeah. oh, you, you repeat after me after I say this, and it, it gets mm-hmm. people involved and it captivates people and it um mm-hmm. it engages people with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And having that link with the audience is like, it's something that you necessarily can't teach. It's like a, it's like almost like a performance style. Yeah, yeah, I think it's also very innate. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I think whenever I have to write like bios and stuff, I literally always say that 
I think what makes me unique is my interaction. Yeah. Um, and I think that is rooted in West African oral tradition. Yeah. Mm. Because um, when you do research, and these are things that a lot of people don't, you don't know something so it's theorized, yeah. right? Mm. So for instance, when my mom used to say, tell me stories, or even other people within um, West Africa, they'll start off things like story, story, and then people will respond mm. with story. That's Once exactly what I'm talking about. I have a story of the... We do that in Syria. Oh, yeah. wow. we, we say <coughs> parable, parable, and yeah. the other person says parable. No, oh. we say in Olof, we say Lebon, and then the other person says Lupin. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering. They do, they we, um, it's like... um. Lebon, it means like um, it's been the story has been told, okay. and and then looping as in it's just a confirmation of that. Amon Nafi, like it's happened before. Dan, um, it used to happen. So okay. it's like a, it's like it's like this weird interaction, and then we go into the story, yeah. and it always ends up being like the comic, this comedy story with a punchline at exactly. the end. And as kids, we all gather around doing it's it. So yeah. yeah, that's what we say as well. We say like the person you're saying will be like parable, parable, mm. and the person listening will be like parable, and then he'll go on, and then the person will go on to say like. I don't know, like an old lady sitting in the chair is crying, wow. and it will say, "Oh, that's a candle." It's like a, yeah. it's like a Quite way of saying something. Yeah, okay. basically. And it's weird. It's weird how like because as soon as you said it, it just went a light bulb went yeah. up in my head. These are like you perform almost in the way that I remember our grandparents used to transmit stories into. It's, it's literally rooted in African oral tradition. Exactly. Even if it's in, it's it's innate because you can tell it's not something that you put on or you learn. Yeah. But it's like this. It's this weird thing that you kind of. You, you sort of embody that right there because I remember even we have um not even parables but um what's the word riddles and we would do them in the same with this in the same format and then it's it's just it's it's mad it's when you think about I think it it's, I was just glad to hear this because it's like realizing that excuse me that um this one thing that I'm, I'm doing like it's replicated in other places yeah. and in different ways as well I think that's so something that we should we shouldn't take for granted the fact that in a room that we have different nationalities right and yeah. that these like articulations of a storytelling me- mechanism or technique is ex- has been expressed from history and that's mm-hmm. i didn't even know that they existed in other countries like i'm so gassed no it. seriously i'm learning as well because wow. if you hadn't had told me that actually mm-hmm. i would assume that that would come from a gospel sort of okay. background so you know like church evangelical church mm. or even anglican in this country i mean i went to a mostly black school but it was um an anglican school okay. but everything was based on call and response mm. so that's what i would assume it came wow. from but yeah it's interesting that you say church because i remember there was this person that came from my first show in the tristan bates theater in london and she said to me this she described my performance or push performance as like she said it was like a communion service. Exactly. And I was like, wait, I just should do, I was like, wait, communion service, what yeah. did I do? And she was like, <laughs> what did I do? Collective. Yeah. There was something communal. And yeah. I think I think maybe maybe that's at the heart of my of my own art and yeah. practices. Really and I think Hassan, you mentioned that earlier, like this idea that I not only am I giving to the audience yeah. but involving the audience as yeah. well. And I think that's something I really believe in, especially because a lot of people, when I tell them, they're always like, no, that's a lie. But I actually find poetry very boring. Mm-hmm. I find it so boring. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like, if I, if I you myself... You have to be innovative with how you, yes, how you do Yes, you it. have to. And I think that's why, you know, with the EP as well, Asian History, with the films I've done, um, and with my collaborations, I always try to be interdisciplinary. So it's not just poetry. It's poetry with music. It's poetry okay. with mm-hmm. film, fashion. Mm-hmm. Just trying to be as creative as possible with them. Um, I was going to ask about that as well, because <clears throat> I know that you know, from I'm speaking to people who do spoken word, mm. a lot of people are uh, view spoken word with instruments differently. Like some people say, there's no need for instruments to be there. 
versus some people say no I like instruments to be there mm. so like what's your take on that and also like how do you make your spoken word distinct from any others like you said it's just word that's being spoken right yeah. Yeah. but like Hassan has pointed out you have a different style mm. I know personally that Sosa has a different style because yeah. I've heard him as well but like how do you make yours distinct from like everyone else mm. I think I'll start with a distinct question I think for me it was I think you make your work distinct by not by not trying to be distinct. Yeah. Okay. So I think when we get obsessed over being unique, that is when we end up reproducing, you know, things that already exist. Yeah. So I think for me it was more I think of reminding myself of my voice and mm. the power that voice has and what that voice is to do. Mm. Yeah, sorry, sorry not to interrupt you, but was that was that in coming into yourself? Because you know mm. when people focus on being unique, as in the fa- the uniqueness is external from them, they yeah. always face a roadblock because that's not them. Was it simply just you actually thinking, okay, this is me, this is my voice, let me just go forward with it? Yeah, I think it was just recognizing that this is my voice and yeah. let me go forward because I think for me, and like everybody's different, like we all know that, right? But I think, mm. I think for me, I wasn't too concerned with being different. Because I think sometimes when you try to be extremely different, you end up being a caricature of yourself. Yeah, all the same, because a lot of people are trying to be extremely different. Exactly. And they end up in the same place. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's kind of deep, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, right? So I think for me, um, it was more about the why rather than the try to be something, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that was literally um, how I sort of, like, you know, tried to address that, which is trying to remind myself of why I'm trying to tell the stories I'm telling. Because I think the why would always be nourishing for your soul, not the the action. Sometimes Definitely. it's the intention. 100% agree. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but on your first question about um, instruments and spoken word, um, yeah, I think that's something I'm also trying to like navigate as well because there are times when I've sat down and thought to myself, Anira, is this actually necessary? Like, do you just want music here because you feel like music will sound better mm-hmm. and people would clap louder? Or do you want music because it serves the purpose of the piece? So what I always ask myself, and I guess advice to poets, is um, reminding myself of the overall like theme of the, of the piece. And I, I then tell them to say, okay, would music, if music wouldn't um, contribute to improving the piece, then there's no need. Yeah. Sometimes simplicity is best. Yeah. Um, I remember there was a time when I had a, a performance in what was it Melbourne or something like that, and the idea was, um, what happened was okay. I wanted to have a, a poem that just says thank you to everybody that's helped me. So from like for like two minutes of the poem, she's just saying thank you, thank you, thank you to my mom, blah blah blah, and um, the poem was inspired by J Cole's uh, instrumental Note to Self. So okay. it's like da 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 da. And he literally goes on and on and on. He's saying thank you for 14 minutes. Yeah, he says thank you for 14 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and I remember. So like, thanks to like Jonah Hill. Yeah, and he's like, he's nah, like, I'm joking, I don't know him. Yeah. And then he's like, thank you. Like, it's such, I think it's one of the best songs, but yeah. Yeah. it's 14 minutes, so no one listens to it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's actually one of the best songs. I've actually heard it. Yeah, I need to the instruments arrange, the instruments arrangements, everything is just, mm. you know, the chef's kiss. Yeah. Just beautiful. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, like I mentioned, like nostalgia is something that's very integral to my the process of my piece. So I remember when I, I wrote that poem this year, but I thought of it in... Like, the reason it came to me, as in to do this thank you thing, was because I was listening to Forest Hills Drive, and I remembered how when I was in secondary school, when Forest Hills Drive came out, because obviously then, I remember in Lagos, like, we were 
we snuck in our iPods. So I remember like I snuck in my iPod <laughs> and I literally when it came out, all of us just gathered in my iPod in the middle. Well, was that in boarding school? Yeah, boarding okay, house, yeah, because yeah. we weren't allowed electronic devices. And I remember, the, I literally cannot forget, I was in my, the top bunk of my room. I locked the door so that any hospitalist <laughs> came in. They lick it around like you're doing something illegal, yeah. right? <laughs> but that was sort of the, you know, the, the inspiration behind yeah. that song. But again, to answer your question about instruments. So with, with that piece, I remember contemplating whether or not I should have Forest Hills Drive as like the back background and then have yeah. my poem layered on top. And that is a form of, like, it's live music, right? Yeah. Sorry, not live music, recorded music on top of live poetry. Mm-hmm. But then I thought of this and I was like, okay, the overall um, message I'm trying to get at is for people to be grateful, yeah. right? So maybe it might be best if I get people to be part of that process by actually humming what J. Cole did so that they feel, as they're, as they're doing it, they're also reflecting. And that would kind of match the the comparison with uh with the congregation comparison. Mm, actually, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I, and it's weird that you say it because I I don't even as much as I'm analyzing these things, I'm yeah. doing them now because I'm asked the, these yeah. things. But I don't think I'm actually a store in thinking about it whilst yeah. I'm. Doing it's just it. a you going with your creative process. Yeah, right? just yeah. me going with my like. I literally just go with my God. Like, does this but also, right? that raises a question. It's like, it was, did gospel inspire that kind of thing in like, because um, mm. that specifically we see it in black churches more. Mm. So, oh no, 100%. Yeah. That's a known no, no, fact. Did gospel oh. inspire or did African culture inspire African that? African culture inspired Because I think um, mm. even Definitely. American gospel, like the, the, the big speakers, mm. they had a black church with a big congregation and how they get involved, the community and everything. That seems almost like it's, we, we talked about the African storytelling, the parables that we do, mm. the different riddles that we have, and how it's transmitted to us in an oral form. Mm. It's not very dissimilar. So I think it's just us remixing it in the same way. Yeah. In the same way in Cuba, they have different ways of practicing religion that match African um, like African history. So for example, um, there's, I, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Santeria, is that when they use saints, um, when they have saints mm. that are just African African deities, but they've identified them with a specific saint okay. and now they use that to like that's how they worship oh, so um it, it kind of shows how like these things have been transmitted through like yeah. the time and I, i'm really glad you mentioned that historical like and cultural resonances that each of them have because i think what they have in common is their own performances yeah Definitely. a lot of us i think western um interpretations of you know theater will make you think that theater has to be limited to a stage yeah theater can be anywhere right so the world is a stage. Yeah, exactly. when, you, when you study um, Eurocentric theatre, anyways, mm. you see how many rules there are, exactly. and in within plays as well, mm. how they have to structure it. It's it's a crazy it's, amount of mm-hmm. structure that's already in place, it, and mm, you then sure. have to put your creativity over it if you can. I Definitely, guess. and I I feel like personally, I've actually experienced that with even workshops I've been to, where because I also write plays, and yeah. um, I know that the training I get is for my good, like these people that are training me want me to have plays commissioned by the like, National Theatre, which is mm-hmm. my dream, and all these amazing theatre organisations. But I remember one day I was having an argument with one of my mentors, and she was telling me that my play wasn't in, if I think it's a three-act structure I should be in. Yeah. And I, I remember responding with um, something along the lines of, like, I genuinely didn't feel like it was what I wanted, because I tend to often, with my plays, have dance, um, songs, um, you know, a narrator that's coming at my saying just yeah. represents. It's a performance. You yeah. like to, you like to perform. You like exactly. the. And it's a new wave thing. Yeah, but, you, but yeah. more importantly, it's rooted in West African oral tradition yeah. of, you know, you might not think of a town crier as a storyteller, yeah. but when that town crier is announcing something to the village or mm. the community, 
they're not announcing it as okay hello brethren yeah. <laughs> we have, yeah, they, 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 they find something to grab people's attention yeah, and it's something do. that is been prevalent in every sort of artistic medium there is in, mm. in medieval painting there's naked people because sexuality is something that is seen as something that sells in um even like um when you said that um you 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 find poetry boring mm. and that's why you you're finding a way to captivate people and make them interested in it yeah. even if people like it already mm. because they like it you find you you feel like you find it boring by enhancing it that much more they'll like it much more Definitely. and it's like steve jobs like with like it's like it's like the little changes you make where, when he had a computer mm. people that love computers loved it the people that didn't find them boring and they're just for the office mm. he was like let's put the computer and the monitor together and put one in each house everyone said it was crazy mm. we have computers on our phone now so it's, it's about it's about how you think about what you do and the change you want to make because i think with things that are structured um, like um, poetry and everything, mm. it's structured until the structure changes. Definitely. Before Shakespeare, poet, poems, even the English that was used was mm. completely different. And mm-hmm. when he came out, when he came through, he 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 did something that. Oh, was this guy different. used to spit bars, yeah. as in he made up words himself just yeah. so it would fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, to a, I think when it comes to create creativity, it, like having some sort of structure or a boundary sort of holds you back more than it it lets you explore everything that's the sort of good in your mind i think i think it's yeah i would agree but i think also i would always say that sometimes it's best to know the rules so that you can break them <laughs> yeah so, that's the important part yeah i think i think um as much as i don't i wouldn't say my work is rooted in i mean it's influenced by a lot of things so as much as that you know reference west african tradition there are also some authors that I have read that are not from Africa, from the African continent or yeah. Caribbean or even black that yeah. have really influenced my work as well um, just for their artistry right so I think for me it's also important that people read widely like read from different cultures which one you mentioned. yeah exactly you mentioned Cuba as well like yeah. I'm, I learned something you know new because I, I knew about that but didn't know in detail right yeah. so I think it's important for people to read widely and um, I think when I was in A-levels and um, uh, secondary school, at least from year 9 or 10, because I was brought up with things like Shakespeare, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I remember we had this poetry anthology called Songs of Ourselves, yeah. which was really what influenced my... I mean, the poems are not the best, but um, they definitely made me see poetry in a different way because I remember for the first time on a page, I realised that a poem didn't have to have um, the same indentation. So you could have a poem that the first line maybe is slightly, um, like, the, the breaks are different. So, yeah. like, maybe there's two spacings. The next time is like, four spacings. So yeah. you end up having a poem that kind of looks like a different shape. Yeah. Like, it's not aligned, right? Yeah. And just seeing <laughs> the creative ways... Does that affect the rhythm that it's... Um... I would, I think it affects the reader more okay. so than the yeah. rhythm. You're talking about display, right? Yeah, the, the space. space. Exactly. Okay. So even, like, you know, the tr- I think... The, it's like, why use a different font? Like, why calibre sometimes seems more appealing than Times New Roman. Like, those yeah. little things, like you mentioned with Steve yeah. Jobs, like, it makes a difference. Um, but I, again, with the idea of reading widely, I think that is definitely something that I I tell people to do. But not just reading widely, but immersing yourself in experiences that are um, might seem uncomfortable. So, yeah. although my practice is poetry, and I'm also keen to, you know, because I mix my poetry with a lot of music, whether it's music coming from the audience's lips or... So, yeah from actual live music I go to concerts right and I see I actually when I go for concerts I always tell friends that as much as I'm going to enjoy myself 
at least something I'm trying to you know do a little less of because then I tend up going there as like an ethnographer or something. Yeah. Um, but I I actually often take notes, <laughs> so I have a, I have a notebook and I'm like, okay, because Bernard Boy's concert, for instance, he had film in the background where he. Uh, for his uh, song, another I think it's called Another Story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like another story. Yeah, it's called Another Story, I think. And he had film in the background, yeah. and I remember being so it just moved me, and I was like, why did that thing move me so much? And I realized because there was film in the background. Yeah. So what I did was for my next performance, I then put film in the background, okay. mm-hmm. and just just trying to experiment. So you're speaking right? of just artistry, basically. Yeah. So you're like, just taking okay. every single experience and learning from it. Exactly. Yeah. Being reflective, I definitely think every artist needs to be reflective, and that's. Why, when you know, when you think of things like capitalism or relationship yeah. it has with with the artist, when an artist doesn't have time to think or space to think, they end up producing work that isn't work that reflects them. Yeah. Because there's a there's a quote on Twitter I saw. It said it says that neoliberalism interrupts your imagination, yeah. and neoliberalism is essentially like capitalism two point yeah. You know, which is the idea that we become so highly ind- individualized. We don't see community. Yeah. We um we think that we have a lot of choice, but it really is an illusion of choice. So yeah. we're indecisive. Yeah, with um democracy. It's yeah. A democracy. Exactly, and we're yeah. we're extremely anxious. Um, Free because market, of the globalization. That's it just, right. It's just stress. Yeah. Stress. So yes. Yeah. You know? it, it, it makes the world bigger in mm. in not. I wouldn't say it's not even positive or negative. It's just bigger in a way where it affects us to a certain level negatively sometimes. Yeah, yeah. but I think it also gives the illusion of interconnectedness. And I think that's the yeah. dangerous part. Yeah. It's the illusion. We you don't realize that you're trapped. But in that illusion, we lose the that's connection. That's right. It's like, <laughs> I mean, globalization is used often like, oh yes, everyone's going to come together. But we know mm-hmm. pretty, pa- is it pretty, pretty, I don't know how... Patel. Oh. Patel. Yeah. Whatever her name <laughs> yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. You know what she did yesterday by just um, saying that Essentially, we can't allow people that earn less than I think twenty five k to come into. Speak English. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, Unskilled so, it's so ridiculous because we know that those people that are going to be most affected by that are people that are not whites or yeah. people that are from low income backgrounds or mm-hmm. people that are well, mostly immigrants. Yes, from but, developing countries. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought you went off that off point, but I think <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, here. <laughs> it's the off point podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um. <laughs> Yeah, um, we, um, just to um, piggyback off the music thing that Zane said, um, because um, your project with um, King Solomon... Um, Yo, who is this guy? Ancient no, African, seriously, ancient history, he's sorry. amazing. Who he's is really he? good. So Where do you find The project drops in 20, 2000, yeah. 2018. Sorry, it's called Ancient History. Go check it out. But yeah, mm. Yeah, I mean, I was just listening to, to it on mm. the bus. Actually, I took a few notes. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, where do you find King Solomon? So King Solomon actually went to Warwick. He okay. was here, so he was two years above me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what happened, I don't even know how we met each other. I think he was just in an open mic. Yeah. Okay. And, um, you know, I went up to him. I said, oh, you're, either he went up to me or I went up to him, I can't remember. But it turned out that we had, like, one or two mutual friends. Mm-hmm. And um, in June 2018, yeah, he reached out to me and said um, he wanted me to you know, be part of his album. I actually okay. thought it was just for one feature of his song. Because yeah. I didn't think, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'm down. <laughs> Next thing you know, you know, we book rooms in Humanities, we're songwriting, and he's like, oh, Lano, Loki, this is going to be a collaborative album. And I was like, what would you like? <laughs> <"Hey."> <laughs> he just fuck it on you. <laughs> I said, he said, yeah, yeah, as in, you know, like, what do you like on Big Sean did? I said, oh, okay, <laughs> well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, but you need to listen to it. And in terms of the music production, hmm. is he um, a good, like, a significant part of that as well? Oh, definitely. I mean, the producers, like, I didn't, I wasn't in contact with them, so Solomon okay. had already had, like, the beats were already made. I just yeah. responded to the beats yeah. um, through my, my poetry, and 
I think for me it was a very interesting experience because that was the first time I was recording in the studio. I remember yeah. I went to Truths, who's who's a producer, mm-hmm. I went to his house. Oh Truths, yeah, I know yeah. him. Yeah. It was during Shout summer. out to Truths, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some people had left uni by then. Yeah, so around July. Too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I remember I just standing there with the headphones and I felt like such a oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're like you're like oh, we're in the studio, we're yeah. live. <laughs> I was like, I mean, but I'm in the booth, like, <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, we so, drop, yeah. drop the thing, what's that called, the side effects, the yeah. bomb, you can find it, but, um, <laughs> nah, but, um, yeah, like, I was listening to the project, and it was like, first of all, because um, I know you as the spoken word, um, poetry, mm-hmm. like, play person, I was thinking, oh, like, it's gonna be something more, um, slower, exactly. like, and it was completely different, like, it, it literally, <laughs> it basically, um, it was completely different from everything I expected, um, I listened yeah. to it, and it was, it was really good. Um, it was a really good project. Every song was kind of with different, mm-hmm. different tempos, different, mm-hmm. different levels, or like just different feels. And also, you kind of matched that with the topic that you would choose for each each one that you would do. I think um one I particularly like, not that I actually remember the details on it, but mm-hmm. I, I like tap, tapestry, tapestry. Okay. I like ebony a lot. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna like it. I like everything. Ebony is I'm looking at everything right now, and I just remember that these are like every time I hear a specific song, yeah. I look at it and be like, oh, I like that one, and I like mm-hmm. all of them. Um, the intro all black too. Yeah. yeah. I was actually yeah. going to talk about that. The fusion is crazy. Mm. Like the way it goes from jazz to trap. Yes. And so black in its essence. That, that, was, that was cool. That um, was really cool. I'm yeah. so glad you mentioned that because yeah. I think the aim of the EP was to show like the black experience in a myriad of ways sonically. Mm. So it wasn't just about um, the like educating people about you know, black youth experience, but it was also about using the tools that we have, which is music, to yeah. represent that in diverse ways. So, like, trap. I think Utopia is definitely more trappy. Yeah. Mm. And, like, um, Ebony is a bit more like Lauren Hill vibes in yeah. a sense. So, yeah, we really tried to experiment. It was definitely my biggest experimentation project, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, experiment went if, well. If, you know, <laughs> if, if you knew that it was a collaborative project before you actually got there, would yeah. you have done it? I think I would have, but I would have been very, like, anxious. Because yeah. even in the project, like, you know, I say, like, I, I sang in it, and it makes me cringe, because I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> no. Like, well, I just remember when we were working on it, I said, I made a promise to myself that I was going to push myself. Like, yeah. even if I was a bad singer, I told myself that. They definitely trap artists that are bad singers. Like, Tyler can't sing. Okay, it's not true. Yeah, a lot of them can't sing. sing. Like, he can't sing. Kanye can't even sing. No, Kanye but, specifically can't yeah, sing. So like, no, a lot of a trap artists can't sing. They so, can't. But you actually can't. Yeah, I don't think I can sing. No, you, you, no I don't think I can. Listen, there wasn't a note she hit wrong in no, that album. Exactly. That's well, what I, don't think, I think it's more... Like talking with how many? <laughs> talking with how many? Talking, no, I, I agree with that. No, it no, works. Yeah, it works. Works. It but it worked. <laughs> like that's that's the main thing. Yeah. I think with like when it comes to art, like I used to, I I used to be involved in like a lot of like um talent shows and all that stuff, really? like singing, rapping, all that stuff. Oh. Yeah, sure that that dream had to die. <laughs> 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 no, but um, no, but um, what I realized um was the fact that it wasn't necessarily about you thinking, oh, can I sing or can I not? Mm-hmm. It's about you finding something that works for you. And exactly. finding finding a way that you can deliver it properly, and I think that's what you did perfectly. Like you delivered exactly what you needed to do. Mm-hmm. If like if you tell tell me you can't sing, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. the, and I, and I yeah. think that that's the beauty of like the project. I listened, I listened to the whole thing like back to oh, back to back. So in, like um in order and everything, it was like no skips whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I'm usually one of them. None. Like no breaks. Oh. Yeah, no yeah. breaks. Nothing. Usually after a minute, if I'm not feeling a song. 
I'd be like, okay, mm, whatever. Yeah. But there's none of that. It was a complete oh, so smooth happy. thing. And yeah, and obviously King Solomon brought a lot to the brought a lot to it. Definitely. Like it's just it's Crazy. just the blending of the two was like really mm. good. But yeah, just so like it just it just goes to show like that like even though you're doing spoken word and poetry, that these are things that can you can kind of be applicable to different parts, and it's about expanding your horizons, like you mm-hmm. said earlier. As a person, you should be open to doing that. Exactly. And just getting into that, and yeah. So, what else was I gonna ask you? I have so many questions for you today, like, because uh, yeah. Three half. Wow. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm. This is this is one I'm I'm particularly interested. In. Just what's your thinking style? Because I know a lot of people think differently. Like I'm like I'm a really mathematical thinker. Like my I, I think about my words like an equation. So I add things, but it's weird. Like it's a, it's I think in numbers kind of thing. Really, I yeah. feel like 100%. you can, like I think in numbers as well. To yeah. Extent. Like I know how to, you know how the alphabet has twenty six letters. Yeah. yeah. I can speak in alphabets. So like I can say my name is Zane by putting, you know how each letter has a position. Yeah. So like each number has an allocated number. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can speak in that. So I can okay. say, if I say space, it means it's a new word, right? Okay. So my name is Zane would be okay. Thirteen twenty five space fourteen one. Uh, um, thirteen five space nine nineteen space twenty six five nine fourteen. Okay, <laughs> so okay, you actually think it's yeah, a real deal. I'm thinking equations. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I think it was because I I don't today I don't know how I remembered everything, but I feel like when I was in nursery school, the alphabets were <laughs> in front of my desk. So I think maybe I was probably unless used to look at it a lot, but yeah. I somehow memorized yeah. it. But what I think it, yeah. For me, it's uh, equation and imagery. Like those, those are two yeah, two yeah. mediums. So like, so, so for you, it's numbers. Like how how do you, how does that translate into your your poetry? I mean, I, I think no, no, that was I won't say I think numbers. I just think I can't think in numbers. Oh, you can't. But I would say I'm more of a visual visual Because yeah. for me, I'm the complete opposite. Really, to Hassan, like okay. completely. I don't know, Zane. Do you are you more of a numbers guy or creative imagery sort of? Because I'm definitely, for example a visual thinker or an emotive thinker I would even call it because it's a thing where I think about life relate life and then interpret that I think I'll go with emotive what are the different like options there, there's not a different option actually, and you just, just, you just discover yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, because she pointed it out specifically. Because for me, like it's like it's like how I form arguments. The words I use mm. is usually I add, subtract, weigh options. Does this equal to that? It doesn't like it's, that's how my basically. Um, if you, if you hear this guy talk enough, you would you will realize that he has sociological structure when every time yeah. he talks, it's PEE constantly. Wow. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because and it's funny because I was when I was younger, I was I was a complete maths person, wow. but then because maths, it, it, so it's the weirdest thing to say. And I'm not. It's it's because maths became so boring, kind of. So I became bored with maths because it was easy to me, like algebra and stuff. I'm, 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 it was easy for me to convert letters into numbers mm-hmm. and relate the two. Mm-hmm. That I got bored with maths and I just mm-hmm. put my foot off the pedal. And I was like, English is what's hard for me. And now it's like I've transferred that into English and how like I use words and how I speak, mm-hmm. the different arguments I make and everything. So yeah, like um, like for example, like Demi, he's a producer on the show. He does spoken word and all that stuff. He thinks in rhythms, like he, like mm. his thoughts come out in a in a beat, like mm-hmm. in different ways. Like it's in certain times when he speaks, it's a specific rhythm, and you can see how he's trying to keep up with it and his thinking style and everything. Mm. That you can kind of see. And he's a present thinker as well. Yeah. So he thinks as he goes along. Whereas yeah. for me, he's yeah. Sorry, go yeah. on. No, but finish. I was gonna say like, as for me, like I think in terms of the future and everything falls into place for it. So I'll think, okay, mm. I need to get there. How do I get there? Okay, mm-hmm. I need to make sure I add these parts and these parts. Like even right in terms oh, of writing mm-hmm. essays. Like so you get you have a you have a beginning a destination yeah, like if, and you fill in the yeah exactly. So and this is how you talk and how you think. Um, 
kind of both. Like, yeah. in terms of how, yeah, I always have something. It's like a combination of what I want to say versus what I already know mm. of memory. And yeah. then I guess that's emotion as well, because emotion is linked to memory as well. Yeah. So it's like, I know I, I know what I've already, what, I know my memories and I know what I need to say. Mm. And I can fill out the in between. Yeah. No, but um, Demi definitely free verse speaker. No, like, he's a he's wow. a he's a rhythm guy. Like it's something I noticed because when you speak to him, you realize that his speeches have a rhythm and even his ideas come in a rhythm and it's the way they speak. When so you experience it, you, you you get it. And it's something I had to pay attention because she told me you you're a really mathematical thinker. Like Wheeler told me that. Okay. I was like, oh, it's something after that I had to notice it. So for you, I'm, and even I'm noticing you have a book open in front of you. Yeah. There's nothing written on the page. Do you kind of like project an image and you get it back, kind of thing? And I've noticed that when you're speaking, you kind of look down periodically sometimes. Oh, I mean, no, no it's just because my book was... I think maybe I am, maybe I'll say visual then. Because I okay. think for me, like with the book thing, I think it's just... I think I, with speaking and a lot of things I do, if I write things down, I find it easier to remember, but also like structure my arguments. Like yeah. I'm, I'm such a big journaling fan. Like mm. I literally write down... There's nothing, I don't think I've not written in a day before, like, yeah. ever in my life. So you visualise the letters. Yeah, so yeah. maybe maybe I'd say visual. And I yeah. think, yeah, I think I'd say visual. And maybe also, because I like mind maps, I love spider diagrams. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think I like to see things, like, Like connections. Know. Yeah. Like, like spider diagrams, because I always spider diagrams. I love diagram. spider diagrams. So it's like the connection that weaves everything together, and yeah. then you fill in the gap. So it's kind of like saying it's a connective... Mm-hmm. thinking thing so there's no uh, by the way nobody quote me on this this is not a, a psychological evaluation <laughs> yeah, or anything. This, is, this is just us interpreting how we think um yes. but um yeah because um it's just I, I was just thinking how would that in, how, how does that influence your work okay i mean i would say that with my with a lot of my work um with i mean things like visual stuff so i mentioned earlier that i don't just see performance sites as a theater yeah so maybe um if you know, if I go for a concert or watch a play or whatever, I think when I see, because that is still a visual aid, right? Yeah. So I immerse myself in that experience, and then I sort of start to make connections with how I can link that to my work. Mm-hmm. So I often, um, before I do a piece, I often go to an art gallery. So the art gallery is often is a space for me to really not just reflect, but I really like seeing like I love arts, yeah. you know. So I think, yeah, I would say I always go somewhere that allows that would have really allow me to make connections especially with my creativity yeah and um i would then get my journal write about something you know either in response to it or yeah. if it's a commission piece where a client has said they want something done then i sort of try to reflect on things in my life previous to that poem i'm about to write that um have like a parallel to exactly so that's, that's why i keep gaining from you that you like, you kind of get, have like this way of trans transferring things to different mediums like things mm-hmm. that are generally if for, for the naked eye if someone's just visualizing it mm-hmm. they wouldn't think they add up but exactly. they do and it's that parallel way of uh, linking things parallel in a parallel way in a different way it's interesting so that you say that because it's theater maker will call the adaptation adaptation what you just said like the idea that you're transferring some an idea from a different setting to another like yeah. The film I recently made on just hair, it was... What's it called? So it's called Change Your Style. Change Your Style. Yeah. Everyone, if you can, yeah. look into that. We'll put her socials out yeah. and yeah, you can have a look at that. Out. I'll um, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I remember that film was actually in response to my friend's dissertation as a poem. Okay. And then I performed it in this um, hair festival in uh, Peckham and the response was really, really good from it. And then 
I did that just as a performance, but there was a few interactive elements where, you know, I sort of dramatized the pulling of the hair by the hairdresser, etc. Then when I had my show at the workout center, I then extended that even further by getting Casilda, who was my customer and I was the hairdresser, to play the part of a, a customer who is frustrated by the, again, pulling of her hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then from there, then I adapted it to a film where I had characters who were playing parts of myself. Yeah. So I think I, I do have a tendency to... Um, <coughs> Someone described me once as a translator, yeah. and I think maybe maybe that's what it is. Then trying to, I guess you do linguistics. Yeah, so maybe, no, one hundred percent. You are a translator. Sorry, not linguistics, languages. Languages. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, yeah. Within like, they do linguistics, of course. Yeah. But um, you are a translator, definitely, yeah. and you are finding easy ways to communicate with the audience, or even through exaggeration, like you say, mm. with the pulling of the hair, you emphasized it. Do you know what exactly. I mean? So that the audience knew exactly what you were talking about mm. and in a way I'm not sure if um, when you're your thinking process you're thinking oh I'm going to do this so that the audience notice or actually it's just that significant that it just needs to be done do you know what mm, I mean because the experience of going to a hairdresser as a black woman mm. everybody has had that bad experience exactly. do you know what I mean of like the hairdresser just talking on the phone doing anything but like taking care of your hair mm. do you know what I mean but yeah so that's true actually yeah I think the idea of emphasis like trying to just make it relatable. Because I think the best art is always art that's relatable. That's why Ariana Grande can sing Thank You Next and she still get a lot of streams because someone has Something an experience. so simple, but it relates so well. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that she's the best, but, you know. It's... I like it. She's <laughs> an amazing singer. Like. Yeah, she's, I think, yeah, she's a good singer. She, yeah. I just wish she sang things that were not pop, but that's another different video. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ariana, you heard it here. Oh, no. that. <laughs> um, I was going to ask, how do you attach meaning to your spoken word? Because mm. you can say words in general, you can, and you know you can say words in general. But like, how do you attach meaning itself? Because, uh, like, in terms of how Hassan, you even recognize that you have a different style in terms of how you speak. Mm. For example, like in, in the phonological side, do you attach like different stresses to particular words, or do you particular rhythm that you use and stuff? Like, I don't know if you think about these things, but like. Because the the way that you say things has an impact. Um, that's why, like, for example, even on texting, like, texting can come across as misinterpreted because it doesn't have the tone attached to it. Um, so I was going to ask, like, how do you attach the meaning and how do you convey that meaning within your spoken word? Wow. And, and your delivery as well. Mm, that's a really good question. Um, let me just think about it. I think for me, again, it's, it's what I first do is highlight what I want to achieve. So if I use the poem I gave earlier about childhood, um... I wanted to convey a message of, um, like, reminding people of the fun aspects of childhood. And I think for me, if I'm talking about childhood, I would have to use extremely, like, simple language is better. So, um, I know Hassan mentioned he, he thinks in numbers, and I think in some sense, the way I would say I do that is trying to think of my syllabic, sel- 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 no, syllabic, oh good, syllable, syllabic, syllabic, that's right, syllabic structure, so I think to myself, okay, um, and this is inspired by a lot of music I listen to, where, you know, I I think the, sort of like the best, so let's say like jazz, for instance, with jazz, it's mostly music, but that music itself has an emotion attached to it, right, so Mm -hmm. you don't, like, my favorite, one of my favorite bands, Kokoroko, like, they have like a song where 
it's really sad, but they're literally not saying anything. But I feel the sadness. Is it just mm-hmm. instrumental? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, is it like like Twelve Bar Blues and by Miles Davis and stuff? Like yeah, yeah. So things oh, like cool. that, exactly. Mm. So I think for me, um, with my poetry, what I then try to do is, I think think about how I can make someone feel what I feel, mm. and I don't. I mean, I, I don't want to be. Uh, super analytical and say that it's conscious because I don't think it's that conscious. I don't think I should sit down and say, okay, I'm going to use um, one, maybe one, sil- mm. no, what's the word? Mono, monosyllabic structure, maybe for this one. Like I wouldn't say, I wouldn't be like super um, obsessive over it because I just mm. like things to just flow because yeah, I yeah. feel like when I start to police myself excessively, then again, I mentioned earlier about how um, that tendency to focus on one aspect, you become a version that is in you. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't want to be that. So I think for me, it's really just about letting things flow. Mm. Um, I don't pay, I mean, I'm aware of like the emotions I want to convey and the message, but I'm not, I don't, I don't um, seek to put constraints on myself. But I think one thing I do a lot though is um, I listen to music while I'm writing it a lot of times. Mm. And I'm, I feel like in my, without even realizing it probably does affect the work I produce so I remember mm. when I was in like secondary school that was when I was I mean I still am but a very big Kendrick fan and I remember I was listening to I when I wrote my first one of my first pieces and I was so angry I was like I love, <laughs> I love myself no but I you think that, that song had that it's like it, it had the weird like um like the feel that you were there yeah. when you listen to the song yeah, yeah so it's like that feeling that I've listened to this live. Like, the whole album. But, but that song, it's even the video, mm. you know how like they had like the sound was mm. was made in a way where it's like you're consumed by it kind of mm-hmm. thing. It's yeah. very immersive. Yeah. And I think that idea of so that I think that's what I tried to achieve though, because I don't want to say that I don't think my poetry is melodramatic in the sense that I'm not trying to address every single emotion and heighten it. But I think the best way I'd explain it is through like musical terms. So when you think of panning, for instance, yeah. um if you're listening to a song where the song is going from your left ear to your right ear, yeah. it makes you feel a type of way. That's the right? AD, the AD sound. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but a technical word is panning, yeah. Yeah, panning, oh, that's yeah. what okay. Mm. So, like, it's like, when it goes from one ear to the other, it's, it's weird, like, and yeah. it makes you feel like you're a part of it. Like. Exactly, but you also feel slightly uneasy, right? Yeah. But the part, the producer isn't going to say, like, I don't think the producer says, outrightly, let's pan it. I think they just try out, and mm-hmm. if it works, then it works. Yeah. And I think that's the same way I, I do my art, where... You know, if the if having I don't know like four syllables in one line works better than eight when I'm trying to convey something on like love for instance, yeah. then I will stick to that. So a lot of it is really trial and error for me. Mm, I f- I, it's really interesting that you said that because even when you talk about music, I can see where you get that from, mm-hmm. because in jazz in general, there's a chord pro- progression, mm-hmm. especially like instrumental jazz. So there's a um, chord progression, and then each instrument improvises over that chord progression using the pentatonic using the scale. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it'll be like, from that chord, let's say it's like a G, G minor. Mm-hmm. From that G minor, they will start on that, um, on a G, on a, on a pentatonic scale. A particular, it's basic, you, um, I don't, it sounds a bit. Um, no, no, not even interrupt. But if you all didn't know, why Zayn Zayn taught himself taught himself how to play the guitar. <laughs> Zayn Zayn's real out here. Like, <laughs> he, yeah. no, he taught himself how to play. Yeah. How come I do know this? He just he just just likes to do it. Hit me up. Like I've I've collabed with um so so as well. I think there's a piece on his Instagram. But um, oh. I like the pentatonic scale is basically like an improvisation skill, and it sounds a bit like, it sounds a bit precious. But it's like you know the like the Chinese progression like. 
like um like the da 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 like that's okay, pentatonic. Yeah, it's like yeah, an yeah. arch. It goes up and then it goes back down. Oh, it's like a triangle, um, like pen. Uh, no, it's like an arch. Okay, okay. Yeah. But it's called a pentatonic scale because oh. it's used to just improvise over any chord progression. Okay. And um yeah, like like you'll talk about the syllables and how it fits, whether it's like free or whether it's like A or something. Like that's a, that's similar to jazz where you have your chord progression and then you, when you improvise and add when it, each instrument improvises and adds to that chord progression itself, they use the pentatonic scale to fit in with the chord progression. Mm -hmm. So I kinda see like the similarities that you're talking about mm -hmm. within that's your parent poetry. Yeah. It's nice to hear like I guess the theory, musical theory behind it as yeah. well, because yeah. poetry is musical, should be in, to an extent. Mm. And I think with you, I, I wouldn't be saying that we should confine you to a specific way of thinking, because with with that, you 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 put um like the, the thinking in numbers, the equation, everything. You put that into work because you have to kind of it has to make sense. Mm. That's to add up, and then, but also you have to you also add the emotive thinking because when it comes to music and poetry, like I'm a person that I I'm a very like. I, I only think about how the music makes me feel. Mm. Like that's that's about it. It depends. So whether whether a song is good or bad, whether a poem is good or bad, whether a spoken word piece is good or bad, it, it's dependent on how it makes me feel mm. and the emotion I feel. Whether it's euphoric, whether it's mm. sad, whether it's reflective, like whatever it may be, it it's it's all about how it makes mm. me feel. And I think mm. that element of it is is really important. It shouldn't I shouldn't we shouldn't necessarily say this how you think or that's how you think because I wouldn't say I think in one way, yeah. but everyone. You, you have a, it's like a, you add so many different things to it and and the, the, the more we go on we realize yeah, yeah there's more being added on the, the more the conversation goes on so like the emotive thinking is really important and you saying that you let it and, and that, that is very that's really right because when we think about memory in general it's the combination of our emotions with the information that makes us remember things so in yeah yeah so 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 i don't know what in our brain circus itself i think it's called the amygdala it literally combines the emotion that we feel with the event that's happening and then that creates memory that's the bridge isn't it yeah, yeah. so so if we think so if for example like um no the amygdala ugh, it's ugh, it's the limbic system yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's, it's yeah. very complicated but um but um so like for example i don't know if you guys have this but for me like there's a particular song that i can think about and i just feel cold like physically yeah. i feel cold mm -hmm. and i'm like every time i hear it i feel the exact same way just mm -hmm. because the when i the first time i heard that music and the way that the chords and, and every note that was used I was cold and I was walking through. Like literally, I was, it was it was during nice winter off. and I was and I was. That's the feeling. <laughs> and I was walking. Mask off. And then mm. every time I every time literally I hear that same chord progression and it's me as it's exactly the same with me and my, um, one of my friends. Every time we hear that song uh, again, like it, we just experience that same exact feeling and it's more memorable mm -hmm. because it's associated with your emotions because emotions are strong. So. Definitely, I think nostalgia is so important. And I think yeah. that's why Drake makes a lot of money. Yeah. Because his my, my friend that told me his um. Whole, I don't he really found the key. His career, the yeah, right his there. career is literally built on nostalgia. Mm. Yeah. Every Drake song sounds like as if we've we've heard it before. Mm -hmm. like, Let's not get into that. I'm not even bad. Not even in bad way. It sounds so funny. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but there's that. But also, like you know, um, his verse from um, what's that song called? Um, who do you love? Mm. You know, that whole verse was, came from some other artist. Ooh. Like there's a whole thing about it, but obviously Dig has his creative. He's yeah. he is creative. Yeah. He's creative. Yeah. I don't know. He's found his way. Yeah. Boy yeah. recently as well. Oh no, but the thing is, it's like, it's and that's the thing we shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. He he sampled like some. Um, I don't know what the guy. I think Burna Burna Boy has that he same sampled, thing. He sampled. He sampled. Um, Fela Kuti yeah. and a few other artists. Oh, and literally all of the songs, word for word, bar for bar, everything. Man, I'm sorry, but he stole my whole on my whole flow, word for word, bar for bar, bro. 
Nah, but the fella, I think with the burner boy thing, I think for burner, it's like these were like that fella was big. Yeah. But to a certain level, like as Africa, as far as our generation, mm-hmm. not a lot of people can tell you three know, fella yeah, songs. True. You know what I mean? I and think, it's important yeah. for him to when when you hear some of his songs, it sounds familiar. He has the same mm-hmm. thing that Drake has. That's why Burner got got big. I wouldn't say quickly because I've been listening to him in my mom's car since twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he, that's why he got big with like our age group, like really quickly because like he has that kind of feel where you feel like it's like old school African music, exactly. but it's the brand new version. Yeah, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with Drake. Like kind of thing, but Drake, you're about the emotive music. He, I think he goes for that now. He really capitalizes. Yeah, on it. he goes for it now. Like even um, Teenage Fever is one of my favorite songs, oh. and it's like I like fashion. I, I used fashion to think, yeah, yeah. I used to think, um, why do I like Teenage Fever so much? It sounds so familiar. <laughs> if you have my, then I yeah. remember that I heard that as a kid from J Lo wow. for a long time, aka Ashanti. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> we heard that. I, I heard that. So I heard that same thing. And it gives you like um, it's the emotion it gives you. It's like of that calming feeling that you had a, as a kid. Yeah. It's almost like nothing. Like cause as a kid, you're you're like a sponge. You absorb everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're open to every emotion. That's what Drake's Definitely. music kind of. That's the effect it has on you. Yeah. And like depending on your mood at the moment, it takes you there. Like Teenage Fever can be a happy song to me. Mm-hmm. It could be a sad song. Mm-hmm. It could be just a relaxing song. It could be uh, like it. It just depends on where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just about it's, So I think that kind of music he makes, and even um. With Magic Jordan, I'm like that song called oh, her. Oh, I love Magic yeah. Jordan. Yeah, you know that song, her. Yes, yes, yes. I love her. Like it's like, that song oh. has that same feeling too. That actually, even yeah. part, you know, Party Next Door's first. Um, yeah. That thing gives me like when I, l- I listened to it recently, I was like, whoa! Like I literally remember where I was sitting in my yeah. Yeah. house and like. Everything. I think that's exactly what he did with views. Like every like views that summer, that mm. feeling will never go away. Yeah. <laughs> that would never like one dance. All of that, like yeah. the the song with Rihanna, like everything, yeah. everything, like. like, and it just, it's just, it's just that that part of music and just creativity. Mm. And I think it's it's just like that's the most important part. Even when I when I do some when I try to when I listen to something like for example, Jay released a new project. I'm not sure if you have heard it. Oh, like, you're okay. Yeah. Nights in the rain. Nights in the rain. That's Nights in the rain. The project. Like it's I like when I when I mm. Jay like first of all like shout out to Jay. I apologize for ever thinking that he couldn't rap. I never <laughs> said that to him. <laughs> I never said that to him. But like, it's like you know when someone comes up to you and says, "I'm gonna rap," you're like, "Oh, we're black." I've heard that yeah. one before. Like, <laughs> in this phase. Well, <laughs> no, but like he's actually like a man, and he he in his songs like he tries to kind of he 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 goes to the emot- emo- emotive part of it, and it's like that's the purpose of it, and he it's like he understands that much. Mm. Where if I was to be an artist and I was to release music. I would release something that makes me feel the way I felt when I, let's say, when I heard Teenage Fever the first time, or Why Didn't You Love Me by Tony, Tory Lanez, mm-hmm. and the Travis Scott songs, mm-hmm. or even like someone that worked in the, so, with, with um, King Solomon, the album, mm-hmm. um, Ancient History. Like when you listen to certain things, it's just, it's that, in, that first emotion you get the first time you listen to it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like that understanding, and yeah, shout out to him, everyone listen to Hope You're Okay, that's my favorite song right now. Like, where, mm-hmm. um, where, um, just to, um, Go over um, everything. One second. You guys can fill in somehow. Me, me, me. I want a question. Okay, basically. <laughs> you want to put your hand me, up too? Yeah, I should. But um, actually, you said something that really resonated um, with me at the beginning. You said, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. your mum said you couldn't come to study or do Ooh, your degree without publishing oh, yes. a book. Yeah. So my question is, <laughs> your mum seems like a very big spirit, a very big person. Mm. Um, yeah, how did she influence you? I mean... Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. my mom was like 
Sorry, I have you guys. I'm actually not crying. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You can cry if you want to. Oh, no, I'm fine. Like, no, like, no, I, 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 trust me, my eyesight's going too. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's but it's if I look too long, my eyes get watery. It's fine. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think my mom was definitely like a big part of my creative journey. Like Without mm-hmm. her, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing. I mean, she was the storyteller in the story story. Okay. You know? And I think every... I remember when I was growing up, every single day for about six seven years my mom would tell my sister and I a story um before we'd sleep and there was a story that she um told us because she was i was telling my mom recently that how are you so creative without even knowing you were like mm-hmm. her innovation was just it's for me like amazing so i remember one day so that we will stop eating like maryland cookies my sister and I, she told us that oh maryland yeah oh. i loved it crack. Like, that's <laughs> like crack like, it's, it's even more like crack when you're in africa like it's weird Honestly, like it's like you're maryland it, it just bangs more there i don't yeah, know what it, it finishes like this it does mm. it was so good but i remember she told us a story called chicken biscuits about in summary one guy one girl well the girl was me in the end of the story okay. kind of like using the whole um west african thing of the fable the, yeah. you know. and how do you use that to transmit information exactly to you? Yeah. and she just said that okay there was a chicken so the chicken was supposed to be me but chicken was walking down the road ate too many biscuits you know fast forward like a few days later a lion sees the chicken and lion thinks that the chicken is actually a biscuit and lion eats the biscuits okay. and that's the end of chicken biscuits okay. and <laughs> that really it really scared me because <laughs> i didn't i didn't eat cookies for a while wow. <laughs> oh my God. but so my point is that she was such a big part of my of my was and is part of my of my journey um and i think with not just the you know story time i just mentioned i remember when i was younger one thing she always made my sister and i do was write about our um about journeys and reflect so whether it was sunday school lessons or it was because we used to come to england every every year to for holiday the summer, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be like okay lanaria fikari you've done your you've you know you've enjoyed yourself mm-hmm. now write about your um summer holiday and I, I can't I kind of like, hated her for it I was like yeah. what kind of what, what kind of person I had fun why were you doing because yeah, like, yeah. I actually my relationship with writing wasn't really positive <laughs> then and then the next thing she would do is she would now say okay we're going to grandparents house to give them because they always ordered PJs for my for my grandparents yeah. so we we'll go to the, the house and she said okay Nanira Fikari go to grandma and grandpa's room and then present your your stories to them okay. but I didn't realise that she was literally training me to be a performer without mm. me realising mm. so that grandparents bedroom has now become a stage right mm-hmm. but the thing of having to write down and express my thoughts and present it to an audience hasn't changed yeah. mm-hmm. you know so I think she was very very um, like I think visionary is the word I would use definitely yeah and yeah. I think because I asked her recently I was like mommy how did you know that I was going to be a good writer or, you know because you can you can see a child's gift no, yeah. acknowledge. I mean, some men should be amazing footballers right now. And do you think she saw your gift, or she literally just did that to see what would become of it? I think she saw it and developed it because okay. I mean, when I was I was about eight, I won a poetry prize in in um school, mm-hmm. and a year later I got approached by newspa- some newspapers in Lagos, mm-hmm. and they said that they wanted to actually put the poems in the newspaper. So I was yeah. always very good at writing. That yeah. was something that I had as a talent but if you didn't cultivate that talent exactly. you, you probably wouldn't be here so he, she kind of she definitely you. yeah because you mean you know you, and in creative you ways too yeah, she, she didn't, didn't just do the normal thing of just write exactly it's like write about this it's giving you inspiration yeah. and, tell, and giving you a push to do definitely and she's been so supportive like my first ever um, performance in 2016 in Lagos that was when I saw her doing spoken word mm-hmm. she I remember you know I rehearsed in front of her and she would be like okay Lenore Okay, you've, you've done your piece now, but please don't rush. Go again. Mm-hmm. So my mom is literally like my... I always say she's the biggest 
critic, but also the biggest supporter. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no poem I've written that she's never heard, never seen. She's always giving give me direction. Give me mm-hmm. feedback. No, yeah. my sister. Um, so yeah, she was definitely a huge part. But in you terms sound of incredibly fortunate. Yeah. Well, thank you. But yeah, yeah. that's. And for your sister, so. how did that turn out for her? Yeah, I think for my sister, I would say she's the harshest critic. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> she's and she's very well. I thought my sister. She's very direct. Doesn't sugarcoat anything mm-hmm. if I share a poem with her my mom might be like okay this is so nice well, you need to, <laughs> you're still you know? like no yeah I'm still yeah. be like uh, okay I feel like you rushed her or mm-hmm. you know you were too dramatic yeah. so mm-hmm. just getting the feedback has been was so important for me and also things like as, I mean, as little as because I post a lot or well, I document my journey as well obviously and even just things like picking my Instagram picture. My sister yeah. is always like, because I'm so indecisive. She'd be like, okay, Lana, okay, this one is nice now, this picture. Yeah. So and you can always trust her because you know if it wasn't nice, she would actually tell yeah. you. Yeah. She's so honest. Yeah. And how do you like, what part are your grandparents playing now? Because yeah. it's like that, that, that bridge between the gap, gap between those two generations. Mm. Like if you're a person that's good at adaptation of taking things from their context and actually adding it to yours, it's yeah. really, it, it kind of adds something to a person. That's true. I mean, my grandparents are very supportive. Um, I think what I would say the role they played was literally just being present. Yeah. Present in in a material sense, but also in a in a, in, you know in a non material sense. So material in the sense that I remember when I was in in um in Lagos for secondary school, we had Christmas concerts every single year. Yeah. And these were concerts where people acted, sang, danced, etc. And yeah. I often did, um, what well, I said to dance, but I sang them and acted. And my grandparents would always, they would never miss, never missed any yeah. concert we invited them to. So just even seeing them present, it was like, I had to be proud for somebody beyond myself yeah. again, yeah. right? And I think also, I mean, they never really give any feedback. They always just clap after you do that. But they, they have money. That, mental, <laughs> yeah. that mental availability Yes, exactly. And also my, my grandpa, he's like a, um, what I say, like, founder of this estate of your, because he's into real estate. So yeah. he's also written a book. He wrote a book at 70. Oh. Yeah, so I think just seeing how, you know, role models almost, like if yeah. someone can write a book at 70, mm. I can't complain, right? So <coughs> I like, think, yeah. I think their, their main inspiration with the inspir- um, what you said about the book thing, mm. it's like I always look at, um, even just the people around me, I think the biggest benefit some people have is seeing people, especially in their family, mm. that have done it, whatever it may, whatever it may be, as soon as you see that, it's like it gives you okay, it's possible. I can do it. Definitely. Like, and that and that feeling goes a really long way because mm-hmm. a lot of people they don't have that. Like they don't have the inspiration of oh, it's been done. It's just I'm gonna be the first. This. Yeah, that's gonna, me. I'm gonna do this. <laughs> first at university. First to say. First everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a pioneer. Like that's yeah. that's also yeah. no. That's it's a lot of work. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's true. a good thing, but like it's like that. Mm-hmm. Even in different ways. I know you have like that. It's a different learning experience. Yeah. Yes, mm. but what you guys have is incredibly useful. Yeah, yeah. It's like just the, having the ability to be like, okay, it has been done. I can do it. Like I said, just that belief system because belief, like a lot of people, they like you said, if if you're you won the poetry com- competition, if you didn't believe that you could actually do something with it, you wouldn't be doing anything with Definitely. it. Especially coming to uni, you think, let me focus on more of my studies. But and I, that's something I was gonna ask actually. How do you balance uni with the performances? Yes, it sounds so like again. When I, I wasn't joking in the beginning when I say her work rate is crazy, as in every single term, every single year, I'll see your name pop up in the ACS group chat promoting something. I'll see or I'll see a show going on. 
um you'd be i'll be at an open mic i remember curiosity i saw an open mic yeah. um, thing where you came over and you did um some pieces um it's just like every single you, you it's like you're you're present and you're active like how do you balance that with also uni mm. and everything else that comes with being your our age group mm. in I, this think, I think i think one thing i um, and this is courtesy of so some Victor he was at Warwick before and he oh, gave Victor. me this yeah, that's Victor, yeah. Victor, Victor with the advice man <laughs> yeah, oh my god so Victor, Victor's <laughs> Victor has touched everyone's sort of journey man. oh no that yeah. boy is so you yeah. should meet Victor have you met Victor I don't no, think so yeah. everybody yeah. amazing guy man say, I remember yeah, I was speaking to him about some things oh. that now I'm actually trying to like fully go into yeah, well, that's lovely oh. but um you know at the time I didn't even know I was doing that but Victor later explained to me what I was doing um, and it's it's kind of what any business person does. So divide the year into four parts. Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Yeah. So, you know, January to March, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's what I was doing. So before every... When I first came to university, so in September, I literally sat down and I, I really believe in goal setting and writing your vision down. Yeah. And I remember I wrote down all the goals I wanted. I was extremely aspirational because I genuinely didn't think I was going to achieve them in... F- that first year yeah. and I achieved all of them it was things like president of society you know have a show here and there etc mm-hmm. so for me I think goal setting is something that I really um, I really believe in and also like one of my favorite bible verses Habakkuk 2 talks about write the vision down making known to God and God who sees it will run through with it um, someone else might see that as things like manifesting right but yeah. my point <laughs> essentially is that the principle is still pretty much you write your vision down you believe in it and whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, just having it on paper, yeah. and I really think there's something powerful in that. Yeah, so yeah, that's one thing. The second thing would be, um, and I think it's something that I, I I'm not perfect at it, but I'm I'm sort of learning. I become better. Um, but it's putting things on a calendar. So I'm such a calendar girl. Like if someone is not on my calendar, it's not happening. Yeah. And I've become very principled about that because I think when I started working, as much as I don't actually believe in the fact that like everything every hour should be seen as money or mm. but i think when you start working you sort of then value time more like yeah. work you start to it put things into perspective i was like wow so if i can make 30 pounds in three hours then surely those three hours of me just you know doing not saying don't enjoy it are yourself. worth 30 pounds yeah exactly yeah. and it, it really started i think it changed my relationship with i was always been, i think i've always been hard working but it made me want to be even more efficient with how I mm. use my time. Mm-hmm. And I think time is a gift. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people don't recognize. Like, it's such a gift that we have. And, you know, I think for me it was very important that if I have... I'm, I'm blessed and fortunate to be in this university. Yeah. So I might as well use this free gift, you know, to the best of my ability, yeah, right? utilize it to this Exactly. So what I did in first year, I did essentially sort of similar to the whole Q1, Q2, you know, method. I divided my days into... I associated my days with activities. Okay. So I called... Because in first year, we didn't have any on Wednesdays. So I called yeah. Wednesdays personal development days. Yeah. Those days were all dedicated for applications. I never did applications any other day except Wednesdays. Okay. And these were applications... I knew from the start I wasn't going corporate. After my McKinsey rejection, first round, I said... <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you know, I just said, okay, I'm, you know, corporate is not for me, sure. So... Those Wednesdays were spent doing creative applications. And a lot of people think that because you want to pursue a creative career, it's not work. And that's yeah. such a lie. Like, if mm. anything, you have to even put more work in because you're not as visible. There's not yeah. as much infrastructure yeah. or networks that, you know, made visible. You become the yeah. brand kind of thing. In some yeah. sense, yeah. So Wednesdays were my develop- personal development days. And then Fridays, I called my creative days, which is mm. something I still do now. So what that meant was writing, um, watching videos, 
um, listening to music because I often made notes on um, I like jazz a lot so just yeah. making notes on um, things I liked about what people were doing I didn't know the theory like Zane was yeah. trying to sort of theorize it my own way yeah. right just so understand it basically exactly so Fridays were located to you know th- that sort of thing and that was sort of how I kind of structured my time and yeah. I mean I would be honest and say that I missed a lot of seminars so i can't tell you that I, I didn't go for every seminar i didn't go for every lecture i'm not at least you missed them for a good purpose well, like, you, well, you know, yeah you know what was well, important <laughs> when it comes to this unity thing the work was done the work was done i think it's, it's really about this i believe in seasons i think mm. there's seasons for for pursuing you know projects and there's, there's seasons for maybe pursuing not that you can't do you can do both yes yeah. but i feel like because I was working at the time, you know, there was a lot, a lot of things I had to do. For me, my aim was to achieve, maybe to be, I don't know, like, my aim before I came to university was, I wanted to leave this university, people know me as verse writer, associating yeah. my name with poetry, that was my aim. Mm-hmm. So, whatever I was going to take, whether I was going to be missing a few lectures here and there, yeah. but what I was doing was, yes, I was missing some lectures, but I was, when I was going to um, open at concerts, I would be doing my essays as a coach. Yeah. So people don't see, they don't see those behind the scenes, yeah. work, right? but I'm still doing the things I need to do, right? But it's just a scenario, a thing of, I knew that sacrifice had to be made in some sense, yeah. but I was still, you know, you're getting compensate. It done. Uh, you know, you're getting it done. Because so, I think with the way yeah. our course is structured, even, it kind of allows you to do that. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. sociology the, is definitely... Yeah. And the way you think, too, because it's already aligned in that way, mm. that it's easy for you to kind of come up with arguments, counter-argue, you know, form your structure in your head. So before you even do the essay, a part of it's done already. Definitely. And I yeah. think for me, um, I always tell people that, who are like very creative especially that you think that doing something non-university means you're not doing work but yeah. sometimes it is work so sometimes the best essay ideas have, have come from me being in a concert mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I remember this essay I had it was on um, the diaspora and I didn't even know like how to how to, I didn't know what argument I was going to make and the idea was I was basically justifying the fact that diaspora shouldn't be fixed so it shouldn't be a thing of you know home hair like home is let's say for me Nigeria it can yeah. be both here and the UK mm-hmm. or, and uh, Lagos rather yeah. and I remember I was listening to funny enough Bona Boys mm. um, Bona and I realised that okay Bona he used was it Bona he used yeah he used he sampled a bit of Labaja's music yeah. so then I remember in that paragraph I basically linked sampling to the idea of the diaspora because when you sample you extract mm-hmm. and then you it's like a collage almost you extract you you then rebuild like mm-hmm. you're mixing kind of mixing things around, right? And then yeah. I just said, okay, the diaspora is fluid in that sense. Yeah. But I would never have been able to come up with that argument if I had not listened to And that's adaptability right there. That's, yeah, that's, 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 so yeah. I there, there's so many... For me anyways, my artistic pursuits have always filled my academic practice. And you you find a balance in a way where they both complement each other. Exactly. the thing is, yeah. some of the, um, the, the concepts that you learned in, the, in uni and stuff would actually sort of influence how you'd write because yeah. now it's extra information that you can use That's to true. write no, vo- more vocabulary random um um concepts mm-hmm. and all that stuff yeah so i think also for me university has been um enjoyable not because of classes if anything yeah. it's the reading clubs it's the protests i've been involved in you know the poetry the you know just the culture basically. yeah like yeah. that's again that's why i said time is such a a thing that we shouldn't take for granted because when we start working like 
time really is a luxury. It like is it's a big luxury. It's a luxury. Like it's something that people want to buy home. Like if we can buy more time, I'm sure people like have you seen time? Yeah. In time. In time, yeah. 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 That's, what I, that's what I was thinking about when you were talking about the time thing. Yeah. And I was saying when you said the time is worth this amount, mm-hmm. I was thinking when you think about every person that's been successful, mm-hmm. when they get to a certain age, like all of them, from Warren Buffett, the billionaires to the millionaires, yeah. to anyone that's just achieved life and gone to a advanced age, they always say they wish they had more time. And oh. it's just, and it's that that thing that we keep hearing. They keep saying, oh, money isn't the important part. It's the time, how you yeah. spend it and what you spend it on that's really important. And we hear this so many times. And we, we spoke about it even in the, in the podcast before. And there's something else I wanted to touch on and what you said. Um, it's like we, we, we hear it so much and we all say, we all kind of dismiss it to a certain level. We all we all dismiss it. I've been hearing it since I was a teenager, and I've kind of dismissed that. But as much when I when I started growing up, and I I've set out certain goals for myself, and I've seen how they would set, um uh, materialize, mm. and I, and I was kind of evaluating. Okay, how would my time fit into blah blah blah? Even doing a master next year, mm. I know that I have nine a.m. to six a.m. five days a week. Wow. Like, how would that kind of? I just started to realize, okay, like this is I'm, at this moment right now. This is the most time I have free until I retire in my life, mm. and then next year will be the most time I have until I retire, and it will carry on in that vein. And it's just about and we we had a um episode me Zane and Emmanuel where we talked about our manifesting the mamba mentality, mm. and then when you talked about manifestation, it's like when you write down all your goals, the the idea of manifestation isn't that you're writing it down. Is that now there's a subconscious thing of it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Mm. So you you're not manifesting it out of thin air. You're trying to live up to these goals. That's there's like, there's a there's a difference. So we said without applic- manifestation requires application. Requires application. Mm. So and ah, even you had the alliteration M and then you had the rhyme. <laughs> that was nice. Yeah yeah we're like oh yeah it requires application. It's just mm. it's just it's it's an important thing to listen to. And even when you say use your experiences and stuff, mm. like what I liked about how you explained everything is the fact that you have a story. That attaches to different experiences. Your first poem, like not your first poem, but like one of your poems being linked to um, just playing at a time, yeah. and just how you attach different stories and how it's inspired you. And it's like, without those moments, you wouldn't have kind of you wouldn't have done what you're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And without us taking in the moments that we have right now, we won't do certain things that we're meant to in the yeah. future. I and think it, the process is very key. Yeah, and it's important like learn however you can like mm-hmm. like. If 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 you're around me, like I'm, I'm a documentary learning TED talk kind of person, like like podcast, like my idea of fun mm. is literally listening to something that I don't know really? about. Literally, like, it's, it's annoying. <laughs> Do you like podcasts? Me, yeah. I have liked podcasts because of him. Wow. That's how bad it gets. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so uh, I don't know how do, how do we how do we end this now? Cause I know we've taken. I told you we'd go over. <laughs> wow. We we really got over. Like um, but um, I think. Time yeah, flies. Emphasis. Okay, so um, two things. Okay, so, how do you know when like a piece is done? Cause I realized, especially when what was the one where you um you came up with it, then you you did you performed <laughs> it at Peckham, then you performed it at the Warwick Arts Centre, and it yeah. became a, it became a movie. So it shows you that for for example, in that in that particular case, you didn't think that that was done until. You know, you That's kept revisiting true. and improving it. So how do you know when like something oh. is done or is something never done? Like some painting painters say that Da Vinci mm-hmm. never actually finished anything. That's interesting. Um, I think for me, I know it's really bad because I need to be better at it. But I already edit my work, so when I write something, the final piece is the final piece. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't ever come back to it. Okay. Um, I might come back to it years later, and then I think the performance. Is that something you've different. learned? 
Sorry? Is that something you've learned? Are you like, um, do you just not try to find yourself in a cycle of being a perfectionist? I think because I'm so indecisive. Okay. Like, I'm extremely, it's terrible. So you have to just learn to just, it's done. Let me exactly. Go. And yeah. I think that's probably, yeah, I think that's where it is. But, but I, I'm not saying that editing, editing is probably the most important thing because it's the most painful process. And mm. it's, it's what, you know, it's the pruning process in some yeah. sense. It's almost you going against you. Exactly. Yeah. I like you've written it down. Yeah. And this is what you thought was the best. Mm-hmm. Now you have to figure out how Especially it's not. with creative things. It's like your baby. Yeah, you don't want exactly. to ruin it. Yeah. It's like editing it. Yeah, you can't really edit mm. baby, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think for me, it's more a thing of, for that day, once it's done, it's done. But then I might look at it a few days later, you know, have a look and then say, okay, maybe I need to make this line um, common this way or do a different, add a punctuation here. Because yeah. I tend not to use, I already use punctuation. So I think that's probably where, um, the editing will come in okay. um, but I feel like for me it's it's also you know in in Genesis they talk about how like God saw his work and he saw it was good and he rested yeah. and I think no he rested because he saw what he saw was good yeah. mm-hmm. and I think for me that's what is where I know what I've done is good and I'm just going to rest like I refuse yeah. to engage in any any more cycle of doubts because I think that when that doubt comes in then it's like you don't want to share it again. Yeah. So I just. It becomes a thing. Yeah, that's that's the thing with me. Yeah. With me this thing, because like even podcasts when I listen to episodes, mm. like but the thing is I don't know the first one when I listened to it I was like okay it's funny whatever but then I have to leave it oh. every certain episode like there's one of them the one we did um, I just go in and do my best I just have to listen to that again oh. like the, so whole, thing, the whole one hour. No, yeah, try to because I I get it's a, it's a, it's a feeling thing that I said in it. I like if it doesn't feel like what some of my favorite podcasts. Yeah. It's like I don't feel like I need to release it. Like we 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 made an episode. Remember. Um, me, you, and Iman that we never actually released, mm-hmm. and that's the only one. But like, yeah, because um, it just I don't know. At the moment when I was doing it, I didn't feel like it was the best we could do, okay. and I, I was just like, okay, cool. So that's the only time it's ever happened. But um, yeah, over time it's just it's it's something like that. That 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 if it's saying it's done is so hard. Like so, yeah. especially when you're releasing it, it's so hard. But um, <laughs> what would you like people to take away from uh verse writer show, Lenare the verse writer? Wow. Like what? Like it's, how? What are you trying to inspire in whoever? Like seizure show. Let's say mm. you can even talk about the younger generation, <laughs> your age group, and the older generation. Wow, like, that's so hard. I think. I mean, I think Oji Laws. One of my favorite quotes is, "Your silence will not protect you." Okay. And I think, I think that quote has really governed um, my life in terms of my values and um, why I choose to write what I write, which is that um, being silent doesn't do any doesn't do any good in some sense like i think there's a lot of stories that need to be told i think also that some people think that just because a story has been told doesn't mean they should tell it but yeah. i think i really believe in retelling yeah. so you can adding your own yeah you yes. you know i'm not it's not to say that um you're like you, you can build upon the work that has been done and not tear it down but i think you can also you know remix it reinvent yeah. i think that's fine so but I think my, the quote, your silence will not protect you, would be what I would leave people with, whatever interpretation they... To always express themselves. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think the voice is so powerful. And, and the voice, I don't just mean it in terms of, of speech, auditory. I mean, yeah. the voice can be the body in terms yeah. of dance. It can be Zane's fingers with his strings. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, your podcast is a voice. You know, your essays can be a voice. Mm. So yeah. Everything is a voice. It's just uh, everything that can be... 
that could be displayed and interpreted in a voice like anything that mm-hmm. you you kind of feel and then it's, it's an important thing uh, like that's that's a simplistic great way to, to answer that question yeah. it's a better answer than i expected yeah. <laughs> because of, yeah like your, your silence will not protect you mm-hmm. because that's that's the important thing with people and it's just yeah and even yeah just also like because what i take from like shows like whenever i see someone perform be it yourself be it jay be it just different people that are just um that i i've just technically fallen in love with their art like mm-hmm. shout out to jay man. i don't know man. i just it's just one of those things where like when i hear certain people speak yeah. when you perform it's just like because i've seen and i've known um i've kind of known the person i've seen them around and you see how like they progress over over mm-hmm. the time and it's just it's, it's a beautiful thing to see so it's just it inspires me to be more of an individual mm-hmm. and just I hope everyone takes that from your shows because yeah. that's exactly what you're doing and that's exactly what anyone that's doing their own thing is doing. Yeah, and I think... And that's what makes it great. Mm-hmm. I think also what you said about, like, you said something about, for instance, with Jay, like, just seeing his growth. Yeah. I think, like, enjoying the process is integral for that growth because, yeah. you know, I'm glad that I've been able to take in so many opportunities from this university and I thank God that I have a community of of people that are compassionate and loving but I know that if I had not enjoyed the process from the minute I did that, you know, curiosity thing where maybe 10 people were listening. Because there are times where I performed and people are using their phones. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. a lot of people think yeah. that's all rosy, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it takes practice. Like, as an artist, as a creative, you know, anybody, it really does take practice. So I think yeah. I would just also say that enjoy the process. Like, don't don't get too fussed up with, especially with social media where you have to make comparisons, you know. Don't get too fussed up with the you know, with who you want to be, that you forget um, the fact that, like, you need you need to enjoy being yeah. to be, right? Yeah, so, and it's like the experience of the moment. Because, exactly. I mean, moments like that would actually make you think, okay, how can I capture the audience's attention for a long time? Yeah. I mean, you know comedians, how we see them walking around on stage? Oh, they yeah. do that to actually gain your attention so that you Absolutely. follow them. Really? Yeah, so that, because if they're in one position, you kind of, oh, he's there, so I know where he's at. Oh, I didn't but know that. if he goes this way, you follow him, then you mm. follow him, you're, they're maintaining your attention. Mm. And they, 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 they're doing random things. That's why they bring their own body into their act. Like Kevin Hart, when you see some of his older performances, yeah. like the Eddie Griffins, the Mr. Bean Dave is Chappelle. one of my favourite comedians. Who? Oh, Mr. Mr. Bean, Bean is talented. Mr. Bean. <laughs> I watch his that guy. Mr. When, he, when you analyse it, he's so yeah. talented. It's crazy. He didn't say anything and it was funny. Imagine. Yo. Legendary. In like. this day and age. <laughs> no, man. Shout out to Johnny English, man. <laughs> Reborn. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. But, um... Yeah, so um, how would you, so would you like to end this with a spoken word piece? Obviously, um, yeah. it's actually um, your, our social media, so everyone's okay. social media. So um, at Hassan the first, the uh, Hassan, H-A-S-S-A-N-D-A-1-S-T, Zane. It's just underscore Achilles, underscore, underscore. Yeah, you know. Wait, wait, what are we doing? What, what social, social media, media we doing? Oh, you um, go first, please. Oh, I don't know Instagram doing. is <laughs> verse underscore writer and Twitter is lanoire a. I'm just going to say Twitter, Wheeler, H-U-I-L-A underscore X-O. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to end it with a uh, spoken word piece by um, <laughs> Lanary. Um, wh- what's the title? Okay, I'll do the childhood one. So a childhood memory. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> Grab the disc. The cream yellow cover with bold black women. Place the orange pillows. Their loose threads are like the grains of rice you've left on the red table near the white walls and switch on the disc player. Place the compact disc in. 
Let your small hands touch the amplifier, the cold metal. Now wait. The beats are repetitive. The beats are fast. Now shake your small hips to the left and to the right. Lanero, swing your hands. Move to the left, move to the right, and dance with the purple dinosaur. Now stop. The beats are slow. Fling your extensions. Express yourself. I want to hear the clear crystal sea blue beads clatter. It is still fresh in my memory. My childhood memory. Woo! Woo! <laughs> thank you very Beautiful. much. Oh, thank you. Obviously, um, you've been a very special guest. This was a really informative episode. Um, I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to listen to this, listen to this back again and then just yeah, see what I can learn from you that I probably missed. But um, that I would uh, that I might miss. But um, yeah, um, thank you very much for coming. Um, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Oh, thank you for thank, we, you. thank you to <laughs> Wheeler for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, yeah, thank you're welcome. You. And then, yeah, Zane, you know, we're out here. And Hassan. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. thank you to Hassan for coming, you know, <laughs> the, the, the guest of honor. No, um, yeah, thank you very much, everyone, um, for listening this week. Um, um, tweet us um, using hashtag intellect podcast. Um, yeah, so thank you very much. That's, that's this week for us. We'll see you again next week. <laughs>